0: Good morning and welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Skeptical Podcast. I'm Nathan and joining me today is, well, nobody. I'm just recording a quick intro to this in between episode, which is a joint podcast between the Completely Unnecessary Skeptical Podcast and Skepticism Today. It was recorded at the New Zealand Skeptics Conference 2015 in November. Uh, It features everyone except me, basically And by the sounds of it, they didn't miss me at all Uh, Also, worth noting that if you also subscribe to Scepticism Today They have already released this footage as a podcast on their feed What follows is more or less exactly what they had Good afternoon and welcome to The Cusp Today (laughs) Good name Where did you get that from? Well, this is a rare combination of two podcasts, two of the premier New Zealand sceptical podcasts being recorded together, the cast members, most of the cast members of each of the podcasts uh, recording together in a room at the New Zealand Sceptics Conference in Christchurch.
1: Indeed, we we are here at the 2015 conference. It's the end of the first day. We've just had, I think, six pretty cool speakers. Was it six or five? Can I count?
2: Uh, six. Six. There you, there go. you go. Lisa knows. Six. That's because she's cheating and looking at the run sheet.
0: Right, <laughs> and assuming they were all cool.
1: Uh, yes. Well, I think are we, are we in agreement <laughs> that you know everything was good?
3: Well, yes, let's discuss. It was
1: awesome. No, I think I think the speakers were very good actually. All right. So we actually started off last night. I guess we should cover the the Friday evening do. Mm-hmm. Does anybody remember what we did?
3: Oh,
2: that was awesome. We that got was awesome. Pigs. That was really really funny. Um, Nerd Degree? Nerd Degree? The funniest yes. parts podcast? were that
1: they got some things wrong. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so there, there was a, a nerdy podcast called The Nerd Degree from Christchurch who recorded for us um, halfway through funny. the evening. They very
3: were good. very funny.
2: But,
1: yeah. um,
2: although they made far too many jokes against people who like Lego for my liking. Oh,
1: Maybe they knew you mm. were there. And
2: then there. they seemed to believe that Victoria's Secret perfume, blossomy stuff, whatever it's called, was as good as Might deet. actually be as good as Deet as a... As a, a um, insecticide, and that's not
1: true. Yes, and they believed that Betamax lost out to VHS because of porn, and that's was not, that not true. true? Oh, because nice. I so yeah? wanted to believe Interesting. that. Interesting. As <laughs> soon as I heard it, I looked it up on the internet on my phone, oh, and I was like, is, "Oh dear!" No, okay. And that so, was their very first fact, right? And the, so,
0: what is what is this true story about um, Betamax?
1: Um, when the so tape just, players first came out, the price difference was about a grand for Betamax because it was higher quality, yeah, and three hundred US dollars for a VHS player. Right. So it's just the price difference of the players.
3: Oh,
2: okay. My dad had a Betamax because he was like, "This is the best quality one. This is the one we're going to get." And
1: then he made the right technical choice. He did, but, but the
2: wrong <laughs>
1: <laughs> the wrong popularity choice. Yeah. Yeah, but it was a it was a good podcast, and they um they they were funny. They were, I think, better prepared than we are as a podcast. I don't know about <laughs> you guys.
3: Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't so know. I mean, this is our, is our, our first members. experience
0: of a, as a collective podcast. So I mean, we've got nothing to go on in the past. So yes, maybe maybe
1: combined, we yeah, are an unstoppable force. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> well, that, although we did interview Susie a while ago, and she did see us in our natural inter- habitat at the pub. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Right. 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 For That's our, very our very podcast, yeah.
2: Natural habitat.
1: oh hang on we have a missing podcast member so we lost tim at the conference unfortunately but he is just phoning me now so i'm gonna answer him. tell him to get here (laughs) tim where are you cool do you want to come upstairs we're recording the podcast brilliant yep head upstairs in the little room on the right we'll see you in a second cheers mate bye bye so tim is on his way Yes, so we are, we are pending Tim, he should be here in a minute, but we will keep talking, I guess. Yeah, very good.
2: Okay, oh yes, anyway, so um, third degree, third degree? No, not third degree. <laughs> they're, nerd, they're degree. Gone. nerd degree. Nerd uh, degree. Nerd degree were good, um, but slightly inaccurate at times. Very funny. And um, yeah, and then that was, that was last night, and then today started with a compilation of greetings, some of which may or may not have been real. <laughs>
0: yes, All skeptics so, around the world. Yeah, they were very good actually. They um so the yeah, a compilation of uh, recorded greetings from uh, various podcasts and prominent skeptics around the world, including uh Stephen Hawking.
1: <laughs> so yes, we, we were treated to a variety of audio and video clips um from various sceptics around the world and maybe Stephen Hawking, <laughs> although it did look very dubious. We will Well his
0: voice is pretty easy to impersonate.
1: Oh really? How do you do that? That, I've never tried it. I'll I'll have to give it a go one day. Um, No, but but more seriously, we will we'll post them up on the New Zealand Skeptics YouTube page um, so people can have a look at them. But there were some great um, hellos from the likes of Brian Dunning and um, cognitive dissonance about that. (laughs) Yeah, about the appropriateness of 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 having Brian Dunning. Uh, Yeah, Uh, it's a hard one. Convicted
0: felon, (laughs) Brian Dunning.
1: Yeah, so we'd originally invited him in 2013 to the conference and then we kind of decided not to halfway through because he was going through some troubles. Uh, (laughs) So that is a fascinating topic in and of itself. Um,
2: I think the more fascinating bit of the topic is how little press it got from the sceptics community. Yes, I think Rebecca
1: Watson was the only person that really did a good job. And I'd already read the court documents when I read her... Um, evisceration, let's say, of Brian Dunning, and yeah. she was totally on the ball with it. She did a really good job of basically bringing the the salient points to the fore, which is basically that he was he was seen as being guilty, but he just denied it at every available opportunity. And even now, you you look on the Skeptoid website. If you go to the um, the Twitter bar on the right hand side, yeah. it's a Twitter feed for. Um, the Skeptoid, I think it's the, the hashtag and the, the handle, and it filters out mentions of fraud oh, does it? and okay. dishonesty, no. and any time there's a word like that, it won't show the tweet. Um, so he, he knows that people are talking about it, and he wants to keep it quiet. Yeah,
0: so he... I think it's been probably maybe a month now that, since he's been released from jail. Yeah, that was a surprise and to me he, in the he video. And put, he's put out a release since then and he's still basically sticking to the story about how it wasn't really his fault and how you know, he was a victim in all of this. And
1: Right. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I was surprised to see in the video that he was at home or it was a very plush jail cell, one or the <laughs> other.
0: <laughs> no, no. he was. Yeah, I think it's, it's been about a month since he's been released, I think.
1: Right, right.
2: Anyway, but moving on to the... I think it's the, doubtful we'll um, see him
1: at the conference next year.
2: First talk? What?
1: I think it's doubtful we'll see him
0: at right. a
2: conference. Next he,
1: year. he did say he, he'd he like to come over next year, mm. but yeah, yes, yeah. We, we will see. Um, yes, so Susie, as you were saying, the, the first um, talk of the day was Vicky.
3: Vicky, yeah, mm.
2: with her reasons not to be scared of the apocalypse or something. Yes, yeah, so... You know, not to be scared of the apocalypse because there's been so many predictions or something. And they've all turned out
1: to be wrong. Yeah, so with the theme of the conference, as we we haven't mentioned yet, being Apocalypse How, um, a lot of the talks, not all of them, but a lot of them have a theme about the apocalypse and what might bring the apocalypse on. Um, And yes, the first one was Vicky just doing an overview of apocalypse predictions that were failed, obviously. Hmm. We are still here. Um, But she did a fairly thorough... Oh, hi, Tim.
3: (laughs) Hello, <laughs> so
1: yeah, we didn't introduce any ourselves at the beginning, but Tim oh, has just yeah. joined us. Um, this, well this is what known. happens when you let Craig do an intro to a podcast. <laughs> Craig, do you want to say hello to everyone? Yes. Hello. <laughs> I just thought we were so well known that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our fame proceeds. Need us. no introduction. <laughs> so yeah, so j- just to cover this, we, we are um, myself, Mark and Craig. Hello. Well done. And Susie. Hello. And Lisa. Hello and Tim. Hello. And we did have Dan, but he's disappeared again, so that's cool. Um, and we might actually try and talk with a, another couple of guys that are in the room. We've got Mark Hanna, and we've got Daniel Ryan, and we've got Adam Parsons, and we've got Little Eve over there as well. Who Has she ever been on your podcast? Has she said alone Many times.
2: She's, she did a little <laughs> intro for us when she was quite little. You could, do you want to come and do an intro for us now? No. <laughs> no <there you> <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Um, so yeah, so Vicky's talk was, was pretty good. Um, she she was thorough. She covered all the points, I think.
2: Yeah, I, um. I got a little bit cross that I felt like she almost stole my thunder, but that was okay.
1: And I will probably take that out in the podcast, but thank you.
2: <laughs> Why am I not allowed to criticize Vicky? Is that not allowed?
1: Yeah, no, maybe you are. We'll, we'll see. <laughs>
2: what the hell? What the hell can you censor me? She's, she's one of my
1: committee members. I'm scared of her.
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right. I don't find out who you're more scared of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, no good
1: point good someone point. in the room or <laughs> <laughs> Mark's
4: terrified of me it's no secret mm-hmm. sorry he's terrified of me it's no I, secret
1: I am which is why I put you in charge of making sure we actually record a podcast and that's gone well hasn't it
2: no, <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> um, so who was I think what
2: else she um, she talked about she was quite hard to tweet
1: Yes. So Susie has been live tweeting the whole thing except for her own talk. We had a little bit of silence on Twitter. Um, I'm
2: really sorry. I would have got my tweets prepared, but given that I didn't finish it until this morning, I
3: didn't get chance.
1: Yes. So so, so in the past, I think in 2013, Susie actually queued up an hour's worth of tweets to go out as she was talking, and mm. it, it worked really well. I was I wasn't sure how it was going to go, but you seem to line up very closely with your talk.
2: Yeah. <laughs> usually, I'm slightly out. Like maybe at the, I think at the beginning I get ahead of myself and then I sort of, or then I catch up. I, no idea. But that, I did this a few weeks ago, um, tweeted a talk I gave, Well, <laughs> I said the tweets to start the wrong time. So they started for 15 minutes before I started speaking, Oops. which is fine. Um, it, it was actually fine because there was no signal in the room that I was in. So the people who had wanted to tweet my talk couldn't tweet, anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so nobody was the wiser. Craig, can exactly. I just quickly get you to speak in the mic? And sure. I just make sure your cable's still working. Yes. Yeah. Hello. That's good. Yes. Good. You're right. Three. Okay. I. That's all right. I don't think we need perfection. <laughs> okay. we're, we're with these guys, we don't want to make them feel bad about our normal levels of um, of expertise and efficiency. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Alright Tim, see you in a minute. So following on from Vicky was morning tea. What was that talk like?
2: Morning tea was Nutella and lettuce. <laughs> yeah, that was delicious. Very it was weird combination. And chemical free sandwiches too, apparently.
4: Yeah, they were, they were very chemical free. So well,
0: was, wasn't was wasn't
1: morning tea the last guilt free meal? Hey? What?
0: The
2: last oh, yeah, guilt free yeah. meal? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Before the rest of the day, where we're now just scared of everything.
1: Ah, yeah. So we'll come onto that in a few minutes. But yes, we were we were certainly made to feel well, not me because I'm already a vegetarian. Right. But Some of you were made to feel pretty bad about your meaty choices. Um, but yeah, so for the morning tea... See, just and that that's
2: why I hate vegetarians, because they're so smug.
3: <laughs> 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 well, we suffer a lot for they're it. Like so, ref- you know, they're like warm smokers.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so the one weird thing at morning tea was Nutella and lettuce sandwiches. And from what I can tell... Apparently, the caterers joked about doing Vegemite and lettuce, and the the main organiser here, Clive, said, oh, yeah, you know, I I like those sandwiches, it's fine, Hmm. and I think they just confused the Vegemite tub and the Nutella tub, Um, so it ended up being Nutella chocolate spread and lettuce. Really? Okay. Mm. It didn't taste that bad, which was the freakiest bit. It was all right. I wasn't game enough to try that
0: combination. (laughs) I think
4: the most hilarious part, though, was when I saw someone pick it up. After we'd been talking about it and told them what it was, and they picked it up and they took a bite and their face was just of horror. (laughs) (laughs) And that was just hilarious, I thought.
1: Yes, surprising at the very least. Um, Okay, so after morning tea was? Kim. Kim, oh yes, yes. I'm, I'm going to be quiet and let you guys talk, and then I'll come in and be smug in a minute.
0: Oh, yeah, so, well, so Kim, the title of Kim's talk was...
2: Help us out here.
0: Something and Something atheism.
2: Species- speciesism.
6: Um, read Tim, tell us what the know, title of the talk it. was. Apocalypse Now, Science, Religion and Speciesism.
1: Speciesism. Right. Speciesism. It's a pretty hard word to say, isn't oh, it? Oh, that's right. I'm
0: confusing the title of her book, right? Yes. Right, which she was ah. selling at lunchtime. Yes, because it's something about the ethics of veganism and atheism, or something, or something to do. Something with... Something to do with it, yeah. Yeah. So, so Kim talked about her experience um, as. A vegan and an atheist, and drew parallels between science and religion. Am I remembering that? Correctly? Yeah, that bit was interesting. Yeah.
1: She said like the surprising parallels or something like that.
3: Yeah.
0: Well,
2: what she did? Okay, so she so to clarify, she belongs to an anti-vivisectionist activism group
1: called right. Progress on Science. I or think. Progress. Progress in, in science. science. I think it was. Okay.
2: Not and. On. On So then she started showing us data how studies have shown that large numbers of animal rights activists in the US, I'm not sure about other countries, are atheists, and um, that becoming a vegan had started making her, made her rethink sort of species hierarchy and stuff. And then she started talking about similarities between science and religion. I quite like this quote, both of them defined, governed and controlled by powerful elites. Hmm. um a quote by civic civic no hang on Sikivu Hutchison that might be my that my typing <laughs> was wrong um but yeah so she she uh she, w- she it was really fascinating for me listening to her because she's a very eloquent reasonable sounding anti-vivisectionist who really believes that presumably the kind of stuff that I do for a living is morally wrong from a sort of species point of view There's Yeah, exploitation and, and, and things like that um, Beyond s- that,
1: I've, I've actually had a read, read of the website and they also um, say it's unnecessary they think that science has moved right. beyond needing animal right. experimentation
2: That's really interesting because that suggests they know nothing about science at all <laughs> um, Anyway, so then what she did I'm sorry, I'm just reading from my tweets now to so remind myself So then she gave some quotes from um, Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins um, Hitchens and someone else. The other and then was there called.
0: was the Declaration, the Cambridge yeah, Declaration Cam- on yeah. Consciousness.
2: But anyway, what she did was she showed how their views aligned with the views of the animal rights activists. And then she asked why secular communities ignore animal rights when they will basically stand up for things like sexism, racism. Which I think is kind of funny <laughs> because I think that quite a lot of our community, including many of the people that she quoted from, they yes. don't do that. And um, anyway, um, why? Um, uh, yeah. So she so, so she basically talked a lot about the kind of animal rights stuff, and she gave a very particular example of some research. The naming the researcher and talking about the kind of research this woman does around cocaine, cocaine addiction, or drug addiction, and looking at in monkeys. And then she changed tack completely and started talking about meat production, use of animals for meat production and things. And then just had a long thing about how that's, you know, really bad. Basically, I think the point is that, you know, then... Well, it's unsustainable. Well, no, but but it was also from the point of view of we shouldn't do it because we are not the top of the, you know, there is no hierarchy, we're the top of, and so... We're not the top of, and so we shouldn't do it.
1: Yeah. So you feel Um, it it might have been something of a bait and switch that start with the vivisection, and then when it comes to actually guilting people, kind of move more into the the meat industry instead?
2: Yeah, but then what she did, but then she switched again, right? Because then she she said that her activism bit is focused on anti-vivisection. She doesn't do anything to do with activism in terms of the meat stuff. Right. She, and when asked, mm. she said because that's where her heart lies.
1: Yes, and she also said there are a lot of groups already doing yeah. the vegan thing, which I'm not sure there are. At least they're not that vocal. I don't often hear kind of pressure groups trying to make people go vegan. Yeah.
2: But then also what I loved. Sorry, I'm going to hog this because it's just... Um, and then I, But I will actually be genuinely interested to hear what you guys say. Yeah, actually, um, on
1: my podcast, I talk most. so I'm a bit disappointed that you're trying to take over my ah, you know, well, gobbiness. Oh, well, there you go.
2: Welcome to my podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the thing that uh, was fascinating... So the question I, of course, wanted to ask, which I assume she gets asked all the time, is, although maybe not, actually, because she also admitted that she talks to groups like her. She very rarely talks mm-hmm. outside of those kinds of groups. Anyway, so the question, and I didn't have to ask it, somebody else asked her uh, about sort of taking antibiotics and various things. Yes. Yeah, and so then she admitted she would do it, which is so hypocritical. Sorry, I'm going to start clipping because I'm getting really excited again. No, no, um, I think you're OK. <laughs> anyway. uh,
1: yes, yeah, so that was Mark Fletcher, who's ex-head of the Humanist Society, and he's mm. I think he's come out with some insightful questions today. He's mm. never been one to shy away from asking questions.
2: So it's just, mm. it was just. Kind of, I just felt disappointed by the whole thing because she did exactly what I thought it she would do, which is basically to sort of say, right, animal animal use and research is kind of completely unnecessary, shouldn't be done because we're not, you know, because of this hierarchy thing, uh, and then move on to the food stuff, talk a lot about food, and then basically come back and say, yes, but I would use medicines if I needed them. It's like, well, th- they don't fall out of the sky from pixies, right? Like, there's a whole process to get there. Sorry, I'm going to start getting really cross. Anyway, <laughs> so I'd be really keen to hear what you guys thought about for talk. <laughs> Who wants to go uh, first?
6: <laughs> well, I, I've never actually listened to like a full presentation on veganism and the whole moral position being laid out like that. So for me, I found it really interesting. And she was a really good speaker and was well-crafted for the audience as well. That was um, really well done. That's I, I'm not even sure what I to mean, say do, do because I mean don't have th- much knowledge about these things <laughs> it's like um th- what are we gonna ask
2: oh, no i'm just i'm just kind of <laughs> curious i mean were you won over by her her argument do you i mean did you because well, f- she gained a lot of cherry picking around yeah, yeah um, a lot. you know she and she talked i mean she really only talked about this one example of uh drug abuse uh, in monkeys yeah yeah so the you know the va- i mean which will constitute a very very small amount of animal right sure. but yeah. but there's there's sure. two
0: there's two as you said, there was two tacks to her um talk or more perhaps more than two, but there was the anti vivisectionist part of it, and then there was the um anti eating and consuming meat and consuming animal products, well, so uh, for me the Getting the world to get off eating meat and animal products has much more of an impact than um, stopping vivisection, don't yeah. you think?
6: Sorry, one of the things that um, bothered me a little bit was the use of that video of the um, kind of pro the protesters, right? People yelling at them. because you yeah. can see that in just about any protest of any kind, you mm-hmm. can see like anti-fascists surrounding this small group of white supremacists screaming abuse at them. Like, yeah, so she basically showed
2: a it. video of her group peacefully, almost looked like they were praying uh, or meditating yeah. or something, and then the bunch of uh, viv- pro-vivisectionists, I think she even called them vivisectionists. Oh, anti-vivisectionists. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who were basically <laughs> shouting in their faces very aggressively. Yeah, I just yeah. felt she cherry-picked the whole way through. But... Um,
6: so, but, yeah. yeah, I wasn't bought over by the anti-butter section stuff. It was more the um, veganism and yeah. moral issues around mm. like factory farming and things like that. Which, but okay, yeah,
2: so 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 are you right? Because we had a fantastic talk by Mike Joy about about actually, you know, an, a, a much better argument I thought <laughs> about yeah. why I would if I was going to become vegetarian. I'm much more swayed by his arguments than I am by her arguments, right? I mean, I totally get the sort of species thing, you know. I mean, her argument is that we there's not a hierarchy. We are not at the top of the food chain. So or we're not at the top of the chain at all. It's not, it's not God, angels, then us, right, and then animals. That's, that was her argument essentially for why yeah, we yeah. shouldn't use them or why we should all be vegan and that's the thing. I'm kind of, yes, okay, so that doesn't exist. That still doesn't stop me from being an omnivore and i'm perfectly happy to eat meat providing my animals are well cared for and and killed humanely i have yeah. no issues yeah. with that at all well but, 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 Mike Joyce, but how
0: sure of you that are you that that's the case well, i mean so how that, much do you look you, into the treatment of animals that went into the production of your food
2: right well i so I, there are various places where i will not buy my food from and where i will not supply you know i will not yeah. buy cheap meat and various things precisely for those reasons right and you can research the farms and stuff
4: that things do come from now i think they're a little bit more open about that but even then, I think some of the things like free-range eggs are not all free-range, even though they're labelled as such. Right. Yeah, I had this the
2: other day. I asked what, about the ham.
0: Sounds like an, an ASA
1: the... complaint on this way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> no, so as a vegetarian, obviously, I don't have any of these issues because I'm morally <laughs>
0: you're a blameless. You're a saint. Thank <laughs> <Plunky>. you. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but you're, you're not a vegan, so you're not really a saint. You still drink milk.
2: Right. Oh, actually, <laughs> I did. I mean, yeah. again, she used some fabulously emotive language. Where she, uh, I mean, it was, it was you know, it was watching a master at work. She was very, very good. Um, so I'm just curious <laughs> how, who was actually sort of, um, you know, won over by her arguments. But she had this fantastic phrase. Let me see if I can find her, If anybody else remembers it, what she called meat and milk. She called it something like yeah reproductive yeah, rip- secretions and yeah. flesh mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and it was uh, mm-hmm. and when I tweeted it I had a whole people a lot of people going what what like I think you know yeah she's not talking semen she's talking about that milk that
0: was what I mean, what <laughs> meant I was like well <laughs> well I mean but, 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 but is milk a reproductive yeah. uh, secretion it's not really is it
3: well it's, it's yeah, not it's involved in the act of it reproduction.
1: It's part of the reproductive process. It's about looking after your young after birth. Well, so the same with okay, eggs, So it's which, a way uh, of providing food for the young, yes. But Yeah, so it's it's part of the reproductive process. It's not the actual act of reproduction itself, but it's part of <laughs> right. the process. It's not the insemination So it's secretion. reproductive, not reproduction, right. I guess. <laughs>
2: I think you'd have more chance getting people <laughs> off semen than you would. On <laughs> K- <laughs> <laughs> well, there was that craft beer, wasn't it? Was it deer
6: semen? But <laughs> <was> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, the,
4: in the wild food festivals at the moment, semen seems to be the latest craze. Bull semen and everything and all their food things. What? Have shots of bull semen. It gives you energy. Oh,
2: God. <laughs> Wild <laughs> food things. Crazy. Wow. Yes.
0: <laughs> wow.
2: Anyway, yes. Next up was... um, Sean Holt. Holt.
1: Dr. Sean Holt. With a talk titled, Alternative Medicine, A Sea of Nonsense with a Few Pearls. And he did give a few pearls. I think he did a really good overview of alternative medicine. Yeah. Um, You know, I I think he covered a lot of it and he basically said it's nonsense in the main.
2: One of the things I was slightly concerned about um, was he said that TENS was a Mm. good example of something that used to be nonsense and is now very widely accepted and worked. And my understanding was that tens is bollocks, and doesn't. Yeah. So, and like he said, you know, that's why it's kind of used now in labour and stuff. And I, I thought the, I thought the actually that was there was no evidence for that. Yeah, I yeah, think
1: there's I evidence that does that it does something because you're electrocuting yourself. But yeah, as to whether that thing yeah, is
2: beneficial, actually, yeah. I think was is or more it's the actually issue. Just a re, another really good placebo. A
1: placebo.
0: Yeah.
2: But to be honest, while I was in labour, I'd forgotten about the tens machine which we had hired and was like somewhere else and then by like, well, then it's too late <laughs> shoving drugs into you <laughs> like, mm. but anyway uh, yeah so uh, he said that and I thought like, oh and then he also said because um, he talked about no somebody questioned him maybe the same person again questioned him about fish oil
3: yeah about
2: yeah. Ben Albert's research which showed that most fish oil on sale is rancid and so it actually might be more dangerous and his response was that, oh, no, the more expensive ones will be all right. Which, again, I think Ben's results Ben's, Ben's results showed that, no, that wasn't the case. Right, yeah. so, so price a couple made, no. there little bits that... Um, yeah,
0: so, yes, he was, he I think... was wrong about, but... A little misinformed
2: on a couple of things, yeah. But overall, I mean, he's a great speaker, right? It was really entertaining, it was very funny. And then he said, like, half his talk was about that, and then the other half was more about his interactions and how he'd, how he'd um, you know, he's been on TV and the stuff. And I just loved the thing... Um, that he said about when he went up against the homeopaths, I think it was the homeopaths, and he'd um, compared it to witchcraft, and a bunch of witches (laughs) wrote in and said they didn't want to be compared with homeopaths. (laughs) I thought that was really funny.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. And anything else from him? I think were there any hard questions?
2: Oh, I just thought I liked the story he told about how he was fired from his TV slot after rubbishing magnet therapy when he found out that it was MagnaSleep
3: who, <laughs> who um, yeah, sponsored the spot, spot. <laughs> yeah. But
1: where was that? Was that back in the UK? No, no, no. no. no that's here. Breakfast. On TV One, Breakfast. TV One. Well, yeah. Because the, the logo he brought up was MagnaSleep, and I think our company, Mark no, no. Hanna, yes. is MagnaSleep. Magna Magna Sleep. So did it, do you know of Magna Sleep over here, Mark?
5: Yeah, I've had a complaint upheld against them. But that, is it a
1: different yeah. company to Magnasleep? Because I think the, the standard company oh, no, no, no. is with
5: an so, E. So I've had it with an E. I yeah. don't know if with an A. But
1: the logo think. that Sean Holt brought up was Magnasley with an A. The
5: logo looked familiar, but the spelling was different. So I don't know what.
1: Maybe they changed right. their spelling when they first got in trouble so it looked like a different uh, company or, ma- or something. Maybe
5: they're trying to escape our Google skills. So we can't <laughs> find them
6: anymore. <laughs> maybe Google and misspelled it and got the wrong No,
5: thing. no, because <laughs> it, it was an image, like a logo, not just text.
1: Speaking to the mic or I will slap you.
3: <laughs> to be fair, I'm holding it away from his face.
1: See, even they don't listen to me. Ridiculous. Or Maybe they just want to slap him. <laughs> yeah, fair point.
2: <laughs> yeah, he was good. Then, who was after him? Oh, that'll be me. <laughs> oh, no, that was
4: lunch. It was lunch. lunch it was yeah. lunch. What did we have for At lunch?
0: The, well, there was some meat Products and animal products involved in lunch. I do remember
4: that Dan had a lot of meat on his plate (laughs) because he wrote down that he's a meatitarian. (laughs) You know, the opposite of a vegan and vegetarian. Just eats meat. Yeah.
0: Right. (laughs) And so after after lunch, the first talk was um,
2: Susie, I think. What's Susie?
0: Susie talking about... um,
2: talking about all the different ways that I thought microbes might bring about the apocalypse which hmm. is one of my pet subjects I guess um anyway so I'd be I'd be interested to get your feedback did you enjoy it did you think I was scaremongering because I did I um I use the so I used this quote from Margaret Chan who's Director General of the World Health Organization about antibiotic resistance and it being the end of modern medicine as we know it and somebody wrote recently to say, you know, please stop scaremongering. And where did you get this quote from? And who's the expert? And, and, uh, and then I responded. And I said, this is who gave the quote, who I think is a pretty credible expert. This <laughs> is why she said it. And I said, this, the reason why she thinks it's the end of modern medicine is to do with not just not being able to treat infections, but not being able to do surgery and blah, blah. And his response was, gosh, I hadn't thought of it that way. Thank you. Which is quite nice. Anyway, yeah, so I talked about that yeah. and all sorts of other things and be interested in your feedback.
6: There was actually one question I had, which I didn't ask at the time, but... um, (laughs) So you mentioned when you were talking about Ebola and fears about it being weaponized. Mm. Um, Was that, like, a sick person who was... wanted to, say, in some kind of terrorist attack or something, basically, an infected person going to a... Another oh, country uh, you'd have
2: to ask the governments. I have no idea what they're <laughs> thinking. Oh, right. I think I think more about release of the virus. I'm guessing. I don't know. I mean, yeah. you need it. You need exposure through. I yeah. don't. I have no idea what they were thinking. But I presume that's why it's one of the organisms that there that had got so far through uh, production of vaccine must have been the thought that you could yeah. use it as or the fear that you could use it as a bio, as a biological weapon. I don't know how you would deliver it
6: because the um the Soviet Union had a biological weapons program right to the early 90s. Oh, I they think.
2: probably still have one? Well, I guess Russia... Well, it was outlawed, now,
6: yeah. but they kind of flaunted the international laws around right. it. So
2: yeah, but everyone everyone has one. Right? So,
6: would, would Ebola be seen as less
1: useful as a biological weapon now that it's been seen that, you know, an outbreak like this didn't actually go as badly as they thought it might do?
2: I would think so. Um, so, I remember around September September 11th, um, a Attacks, uh, and then this around then was also the anthrax stuff. So in Washington, DC, there was so it must have been just after that there yeah. was basically an anthrax attack, uh, or anthrax was sent to some people in envelopes, and um, and it and it and it just showed actually what my child has got a snotty nose. Sorry about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I had no idea what that noise was. That is amazing. <laughs>
2: Um And the anthrax thing just showed what a bad biological weapon it was, because even sending it to people in the post, not that many people got sick. But the fear I was in Washington at the time there were helicopters flying around, everything was shut, it was terrible being a tourist because all the museums, everything was closed because they were all utterly terrified. you know all the post boxes were kind of nailed shut and uh, and it was just like, god, that's a really bad weapon.' Like for killing people, but it's a really good one for making everyone frightened. So I think there's a few of them that have done that, where they actually—it's the fear more than mm. anything else—and how I think, I think any, any
0: weapon that relies upon the post offices
3: are doomed to <laughs> failure. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. So well, yeah. What are the weapons? I mean, I'd, so yeah. Part of my talk was about what would make a good. I mean, you could say the yeah. same for a weapon, right? Yeah. What would make a good weapon, what would make a good thing would be something that spreads easy to person to person. But I think it would be something that didn't make everybody really sick, that had a kind but of no underlying, symptoms. you know. So the example I gave was chlamydia, which lots yeah. of people are asymptomatic, is fun to share, uh, but can result in infertility. And that would be the kind of thing that would make a good...
0: But it wouldn't affect the people who didn't have sex.
2: Well, there you go. Or would it?
4: Could you pick it up from other places, though? That would be the question. <laughs> I, I'm
2: not. Could you let, pick I, it up? I, I, that would I, be the question. What I'm thinking of now is the <laughs> that fantastic um, the the guy who thinks you, that Starbucks puts semen in the lattes. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, oh, no, hang on. on. Sorry, can you can
1: this you bring is, me up to speed Josh, on this that's one? That's Joshua
0: Fuestein, isn't it? Have you not the, heard of that? No, the I guy haven't. who started the campaign complaining about the red coffee cups. Oh from yeah, Starbucks. Yeah, um, didn't. It, or am I confusing no, him with somebody is one else? No, this from ages ago. Oh, is it? There's this okay. crazy
2: pastor, uh, crazy um, Sounds like the same guy. Uh,
0: I, we, we <laughs> I we've know, talked
2: about not. this on our podcast. I, I, yeah, but you know <laughs> what my memory's like. Oh, maybe I haven't, actually. Maybe I did it with Graham. Um, I've talked about it with somebody. There, there, was, there was this crazy guy, and he put out this big thing that homosexuality is basically kind of catching, and it was through um, Starbucks putting semen in the lattes. Is that like a, a foaming agent or something? Uh, he was crazy, but then there was this great guy who did a um, he did a little cartoon kind of like an interview with him where they used this guy's voice, this <laughs> crazy dude's voice, and he would ask him questions, and then they, you know then kind of superimpose this guy's voice, and it was just it was oh god we have to put a link up. It's so funny, <laughs> so funny. But anyway, yeah. So that would be one way you could do it, I guess, um, yeah. if you didn't want to do it the fun way.
1: Why not the fun way?
2: <laughs> that would be my point too. <laughs>
1: okay so moving on from your talk um, we next up um, had Apocalypse Cow Science and Spin so we're back to as you were hinting at earlier the the Mike Joy talk
3: he
2: was just fab I love him I'm just a huge fangirl he was awesome
1: so yes, he's a he's an environmentalist, and he he's not happy with um, with how the dairy industry over here has been polluting the land and rivers, and gave us some um, I assume good stats um, well, uh, about what was going on. He gave a very
2: on. compelling story about you know the, the um, kind of say well safe levels of things in our rivers, and how by certain standards they are immensely polluted, and then there was some big rejig of what standards were. And, uh, and a kind of changing colours of things and now suddenly it doesn't look like we're polluted anymore and thing that the agricultural it's industry awkward. is basically just removed from even being considered. It's a very compelling story and he has written a book um, who the publisher, I always keep forgetting, Bridget something. Yeah, so that's books. the same
1: series as Nicola Gaston's Why, Why Science, Science is Sexist.
2: Mm. Yeah, so I noticed yeah, from the standard. cover
1: because it's kind of quite plain but with those little blocks mm. of different colours on
2: yeah, what is the um? Try and find it. But anyway, it sounds like it's going to be a great read, and um, and it, you know it's just really interesting talking to him. Uh, he was asked a great question. So he is the scientist who, when he went, I think was it a New York Times article about basically criticising New Zealand's hundred percent pure image, and the prime minister got very cross with him, and yep. said, you know, like lawyers. I can find a scientist who will say the opposite. <laughs> and so Mike was asked, so who are these scientists? And he's like, there aren't any. <laughs> there aren't any. Um, and yeah, that's kind of interesting. But obviously our prime minister doesn't really care about these things. And, it w- and yeah, it's just a fascinating thing. So if anything would make me go vegetarian, it would be his stuff and about the impact it's having on our, uh, on our country. But But saying that... The stuff he's talking about, it's not meat production for us. It's, it's milk powder production for China. Yeah, for exporting.
0: It's, it's, the, it's the perception that New Zealand's economy run, runs on agriculture and how we can't shut that down because we'd fail economically.
2: Hmm. Yeah, anyway. He's
0: Wasn't
4: he also talking about depression with the farmers as well and saying, like, if we did shut things down...
0: Oh that there would be suicides. No, no
2: yeah I mean yeah. but they're all in a bad place right and and he was saying that there are going to be more um more suicides. I mean this is just yeah, their, but also the their business model. And he, the thing he was talking about is that the way that our farms are valued is not based on product it's not based on profit it's based on productivity and yeah. and the more cows you labels, have yeah. oh, sorry production yeah. values. the more cows you have the higher those values but he showed data that the more cows you have doesn't equal more profit. It's yeah. kind of a bit where it becomes and less And profitable. the graph, yes, yeah, so the more gra- yeah, more okay. cows you have, the less profit, there's you, profit you make. Less profit you make. Well, there's like a sweet <laughs> spot, and then it yeah. starts to decrease. But that's also the point at which your um, environmental impact dramatically rises. And what the data he was showing is you could cut the number of cows by half, and you would both lower the environmental Im- impact and basically be at the same profit level as you were before, yeah, which, right. which was just yep.
4: astonishing. Yep. But then you have the external... Pressure from all the reps and everything from Fonterra and everything else he was saying as well. Putting pressure on to increase the number of cows you have. So, yeah, can't and really also from
2: the, from the, from the, um, he said a lot of the advice they get is from the um, companies that sell fertilizer.
1: Yeah, and it was, it was land value, I think. They were saying the more productive you can show that your land is, the higher your land value.
2: So yeah, that was and that one was what pressure.
0: It on and what and farming sell, is um, based around capital gain of selling your farm
1: for yep. a big profit. So, Susie, given that you said that you know what Mike Joy said was the closest to making you vegetarian, um, is it close enough? Maybe we need to (laughs) rejig the numbers for tonight's dinner.
0: Be more vegetarian. (laughs) Maybe
1: we should have added like twenty extra vegetarians
2: after
0: today's (laughs) talks.
2: But to be honest, well, actually, but no, having thought about it again, it's not. I mean, his argument is is I mean, it's actually about dairy. So it's making me think more about not drinking milk. Oh,
5: okay.
1: Damn, I drink milk. Now I'm feeling <laughs> guilty.
2: <laughs> there you
3: go. <laughs> uh,
1: all right, so after Mike, we had afternoon tea, which I... Does anybody anything to say about afternoon tea? Was it as exciting as morning tea?
2: Uh, there were biscuits.
1: There were biscuits. Although,
0: the problem is that the biscuits are all labelled as being for the vegetarians
1: and the gluten-free people. Now, we also have... A concern um, with the food when we turn up that um, some of it's labelled with genuine labels and some of it's labelled with nonsense labels, and it's it's a little bit hard to figure out what's what.
2: Oh, is that what's going on there? So the water
1: is labelled, I think, as homeopathic coffee, Um, (laughs) and I think there's paleo and other labels hanging around the food in different places. Right. So yes, it gets a little bit. Warnings that food may contain carbohydrates. Yes. (laughs) Yes. There's probably something chemical-free as well. There There was chemical-free sandwiches. Okay, there we go. Chemical-free sandwiches. (laughs) Nice.
4: I think there was chemical-free juice as well.
1: Okay, so that was was afternoon tea. And then on to the last session of the day, which was... A last-minute entry, they were actually uh, running around a little bit worried until a few minutes oh, before really? okay. that, uh, he, that Dr. Douglas, so Douglas Campbell, Campbell hadn't turned up. Oh, right, and he then just
2: came in for his... Um,
1: they scrambled to get his number, phoned him, and said, have you remembered that you're talking? And he was like, yeah, I'm on my way, I'm just finishing my presentation, which he didn't finish. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. he, he, was,
2: s- he was good, though. I yes. really enjoyed yeah. his talk. Except when he started going on about reproducibility and science. Than that.
0: And then one of those annoying people at conferences know, that was me. stood up and spoke and but had that, a rant and actually didn't even ask a question. Yeah,
2: well, no, that's, but that's partly because I was just correcting what he'd said wrong. But, but anyways, anyway, we,
1: we, we'll not. rewind so, um, three quarters of an hour to the talk. So the talk, he started off just uh, generally talking about what's scepticism, that it's basically recognising bullshit and being able to tell bullshit from non-bullshit. Indeed. And poured it round really quickly to a really nice place that I'm, I'm so glad he didn't shy away from, which was um, himself and Dennis Dutton. Who yep. is the ex chair, etc., um, of the ex Skeptic Co-Founder Society. Brownie. Well he yes, was the founder. Yes. Yes. So yes, co-founders. he he was one of the few that founded and he was the first chair before Vicky. Um and he was a climate denier. And yes, him and um our last speaker of the day, Douglas Campbell, set up a website um called Climate Something Daily. No, no, climate what, debate. Climate debate, debate daily. Daily. Yes. Dot com. Yes. and it's two columns with one column showing pro climate change being real articles, and the other column being that it's it's all a bunch of hooey. Mm.
3: Mm.
2: Yeah. So what I found really interesting about his talk, so he had, so he basically put up this list of, you know, the whole point about this what is what is bullshit, right, and how do we decide what goes on this bullshit list. So he talked about these two types of errors, type one and type two errors. So type one errors would be putting something on the bullshit list that shouldn't be there and type two errors would be not having something on the bullshit list that should be there. And so he used kind of climate change as this really interesting case for, so what is it? And I think that was what he and, it's almost like what he and Dennis were sort of setting out to do is to put up this website, which would put these two things. And he, his point was that, you know, the hope was that it would You'd see more articles on one side than the other, and that would kind of show you where it lay. And yeah. I thought it was really interesting, the point he made, that in many respects it was kind of a failure, and that both he and Dennis, you know, after three years of it, never changed their position. Like both of them were still convinced that they were right. That uh, was kinda
1: cool. Yeah, and it was interesting, I think that um I I'd assumed, having, you know, known about this website a, a few years ago, that I was told that Dennis Dutton put the website together that it was Dennis Dutton's website. But yet Douglas said basically that he spent a couple of hours every day yeah, putting was, the yeah. articles on for both sides. So although Dennis I think it was his vision and he might have set it up technically, it sounds like at that point he walked mm. away and, and Douglas had to do all mm. the work. Yeah.
0: I really liked the talk because he he actually showed a couple of the arguments that Climate change deniers use and deconstructed them and showed that showed why they were um, bad arguments.
2: Well, but also yeah. what he was doing. So he was trying to say, as a as a lay person coming to this, how would you decide where on this bullshit list wh- whether climate change or contrarianism uh, fell? Or did it you know did it fall on the bullshit list? And so he kind of gave three things, right? He said the approach one is to is to apply skeptical thinking. He said, yeah, that, that's exactly what he and Dennis did. So both of them on opposite them, sides, and sides and were doing different conclusions. So he said, yeah. then the approach two is to go away and learn everything about climate change science, and that is just, like, life is not short, life is too short for that. And then the third approach was to basically trust the scientists. Uh, and given that the great majority of scientists support this view, that, that is kind of where to go. But actually what he was proposing was kind of a different approach, um, which was this, uh, what he called the, but the bogus argument test, which I kind of quite like, but I can also see why it wouldn't apply. But anyway, so he was saying for a layperson, if someone makes an extraordinary claim and supports it with a variety of arguments, if you can basically shoot down any of those arguments, then you can put the claim on your bullshit list, right? That was his whole point. And so he did that with climate change by showing a couple of the arguments and why they were bullshit. And I got a little bit of... In fact, I got this is the one thing this today that I got a little bit of flack from on Twitter. So some people kind of actually no, that's not true. I did get somebody for us. I did get N Z Milka or something who took offence at Mike at the tweets about Mike Joyce. Talk. But anyway, somebody then said, Now hang on a minute. This is ridiculous. You can't. You know, what if there's some really good arguments and they get kind of." But, but his ratting. point was
0: that if there were some bad arguments sprinkled in with the good, then it's clear that the person making the claim doesn't know what they're talking about. Right,
2: exactly. So I tried to make this point, but...
6: The, the issue I kind of could see with that, though, is that when you've got two lay people arguing, and he was sort of saying, go Google it and look up a response, the other side can do that as well, and they can find a website which mm-hmm. has responses to your responses, and yeah. so then they'll put mm-hmm. your position in the bullshit pile, and you, you're just kind of back where you started. This mm. is ex-
4: this is also what we do with um making sense of fluoride as well, is that like when Dan set it up, he's a layperson, he isn't a scientist. And he's been open about that the entire time. And so then like for the whole argument is most of the people that are on the opposing side of being anti fluoridationists, most of them are lay people as well. And so you've got two lay people arguing against each other. And it's the same thing that applies there as well, is they come forward with things that you've already seen in these studies that have proven to be false, but they still use them anyway. And so I guess that's the same argument that they were making there of the same, the same thing, really, of
0: climate change. Sure, but I guess the point he was making was how can you personally decide whether the argument is bogus? It's not that you have to convince the other side that the yeah. argument is bogus.
1: I wonder whether maybe a slight reformulation of his argument would be good, which would basically be that if, if somebody gives you eight arguments for something and the first two or three that you look at are nonsense, you then don't have a requirement to go and read the others. That if you know, if the first ones you hit because the assumption is there are gonna be no good arguments, basically, if it's nonsense. But yeah, so rather than saying, you know, that that two out of the five are bad, if if the first two you look at are bad Um, you don't have to go through all of them. Maybe at that point that's good enough where you can say, I assume, given that these arguments are not only bad, but I I think the, the point he was pressing home was that they've been refuted so much that you're obviously throwing them up as a smokescreen rather than really trying to engage in this debate. If it's something that's been debunked thoroughly and you're still throwing it out and these are your first two arguments... I have no requirement to go and listen to the rest right, of them. Right. I'm wasting my time listening to the rest because there's a good chance that that's what you've done right the way through. Yeah, and the other assumption
0: there is that if you're actually on the side that is correct, then the arguments that you're presenting are likely much more likely to be good arguments.
1: Yes. And and I I mean, I guess it's also still a warning to us that, you know, we we should be careful that we only use good arguments for our position because someone could quite possibly do the same with us, that one bad argument in a mixture of our good arguments, you know, is enough that people will dismiss us. So we really have to critically evaluate what we say. And, you know, if we realize that something's a little bit cheeky and that somebody's argued against it or that we're playing with words a little bit to get a good argument out of it, that we should probably just drop it and stick to the stuff that's rock solid.
5: Um, I've actually found uh, this approach really useful with some bogus medical treatments where if If they don't have any evidence and you ask for evidence and that you expect them to put their best foot forward, right? But they provide you with anecdotes first or they or for example They might have say a list of things on the website and the most recent thing is from 1983 And it had 12 subjects you don't expect there's going to be better more solid science since then because you're thinking if they're selling the stuff surely they've found what they think is the best thing to put forward. And if the best thing to put forward they've found is crap, there probably isn't anything better out there. So I've mm. found it, it was a really useful sort of first approximation in that respect.
0: Interestingly, even Answers in Genesis have a list of arguments that they think creationists shouldn't use because they recognise <laughs> they are bad arguments.
3: Yes, no,
1: it's it, it's and it's actually a good list. I mean, you know, they yeah. they cover some arguments that you yeah. do hear a lot, like yeah. um, the distant starlight problem and yeah. and things like that. And they they are at least slightly honest that you know the worst of the bunch. They've said, guys, just don't use this. It makes us look stupid. <laughs> Obviously, they have no idea that the rest of their arguments exactly. also make them look stupid.
6: There, there is also another side which is like i spent quite a while debating one group of creationists and so it was a lot of back and forth i didn't know that much about biology so i was kind of learning as i went i said a couple of things that were wrong and they immediately (laughs) picked up on that they went away looked it up and was like oh no that's wrong and they could (laughs) refute me in those instances they're kind of Hmm. justified in in their mind dismissing it because clearly i just presented a bad argument um, yeah. that, that was all I was saying. Like, it's, it's a good principle, I guess, for you personally, but it's so difficult to see how it can sort of make it get to an agreement between two people, which was kind of the point of the.
2: No, I'm not sure it was. No, I think no? it was about whether you put something on your bullshit list or not.
6: Oh right, okay, yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs>
0: the the one of the interesting questions um, that came up after the talk was whether he had made things black and white. And and I suppose there is always the claim that I hear from some um, climate deniers that I know is that it's not that climate change isn't real, but it's going to be nowhere near as bad as the alarmists, which is how they characterize um, our side, as is, uh, is actually saying that that there is no need to be alarmed about this and...
2: See, so here's the thing I don't get about climate change. So the contrarians believe that it's essentially, you know, the science is bogus and it's a kind of, c- c- it's a conspiracy theory by science. There's a huge group of scientists who all just want research funding, kind of noses and troughs thing.
1: It, that's part of it. I, th- I think different people you talk to have different okay, ideas. but
2: that, that seems to be one of them versus... This whole industry that would be, you know, utterly destroyed by us n- changing our lifestyles, all of this kind of stuff, who we know spend huge amounts of money lobbying governments and things. It's like just that alone is enough <laughs> to make me go, well, I think I know whose side I'm on. You what? know, it's just. It's <laughs>
6: What also surprises me is I've heard some people talk about like this green lobby as though they've got this huge political clout. <laughs> and it's like, no, they don't. <laughs> no, 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 In no, what me. world are they like manipulating governments? Right, and, like, when we know industry. who is
2: manipulating government, this yeah. is what I find fascinating yeah
1: so i think even within the the nz skeptic society i have seen the range from that full-on denial through to as greg was saying the uh, it's alarmist that it's happening but it's not happening that much through to people that they even say i don't like climate change i don't think the skeptic should be saying anything because i believe everything i believe it's happening i believe it's bad but i just don't think we're gonna be able to do anything about it so we really shouldn't care and so yeah I think that the denialists really cover kind of a whole spectrum there of from it's not happening to it's happening but yeah what so what
3: hmm. it
6: is a bit embarrassing that there are quite a lot of kind of self-identifying skeptical resources out there that are dedicated to combating like the mainstream view on climate change it's sort of yeah
0: yeah that, that's the problem with the word skepticism bit of an image problem. that they've hijacked it that purpose
2: which is why I liked him calling it contrarianism I, 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 yeah. I, I, that was a very nice touch
1: yeah it's an also, I normally use denialism but maybe contrarianism is another nice one to use
2: because it also does cover that people who those people who do believe it's happening just not that it's hu- it's not human made I guess
1: anthropogenic what was the word that someone Fancy. couldn't say today anthropocentric I think
6: uh, whatever epistemology was it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was
1: it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah that was michael So that was all the talks for today, Um, and we are basically recording um, on the Saturday evening after the talks, and we have a dinner coming up soon, so... um, Time to wrap it up. Yeah, we have a quiz as well, I don't know whether everybody knows, but there's a sceptical quiz, so um, I don't know whether I'm going to get my sceptical committee together and kick everybody's asses because obviously being on the committee we're much more sceptical than everybody else. But I probably Sure, won't well, we know everything on.
0: about skepticism and those other people don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, when
1: we lose that would just be too embarrassing so maybe we should spread out. Maybe we out. should distribute. <laughs> 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 no single point of failure. <laughs> and then we'll, the committee will claim a win whichever team wins because there'll be one of us on that team. <laughs> right. I've got a
4: question though for everyone. Is What talks for tomorrow are you most looking forward to?
1: Well now we've got to look at what talks we've got yes. tomorrow. Oh, Hang on, indeed. give us one minute. indeed.
4: I was say, well I we can start with my one if you really want yeah. I'm most, I'm most loo- looking forward to Karen's talk about how to handle the apocalypse and what, c- what we can learn from apocalyptic literature, because she has an English literature background and that's what I'm studying at university right now so I'm looking at some of the literature in books and wondering how it kind of reflects into the science of things going on um, One of my specialties I guess is Pacific literature and looking at poetry and things written in the pacific islands related to um atomic testing and everything in the pacific so it's like a non-scientific record of things that went on but from a literature point of view it's pretty cool
3: Uh,
1: yeah i I think that'll be good um for me i think it's um gonna be colin talking about assisted dying Mm. simply because i know next to nothing about how the law is in this country and what efforts there are to change the law so for me that's just going to be a solid three quarters an hour of education which I'm looking forward to.
3: And
2: he's a great speaker he, he came up to me after my talk because I've worried him now he's, uh, from a law point of view he's now worried after we, I, we talked a little bit about um, mind altering microbes and he's <laughs> like oh no <laughs> do we need to think about this in a legal context so uh, yeah be, he's usually very good. What else is on tomorrow?
0: Well, we've got the
1: frankenfood corn, cornpocalypse. <laughs> it is a mouthful, isn't it? Yes. I, I think uh, Carl Frank made that word up especially for us. Right. By Dr.
0: Carl Harrow von Mugel, who is a, one of our international speakers. So
1: that sounds very interesting. Isn't that a great surname, by the way? <laughs> yes. So I, I found out almost it almost sounds made up. It, it is made <laughs> up, yeah. We, we found out yesterday that uh, apparently it's a mixture of his and his wife's name. So when they married, they wanted to connect their names. And right. they've got, I think, some kind of German connection. So they just <laughs> threw Von in the middle. Um, <laughs> and there you go. Probably a surname that I imagine nobody else in the world has. Indeed. A little bit like Honeychurch. Um,
0: <laughs> yes. Make it an interesting uh, family reunions.
1: So we also have um, epigenetics from... Dr. Dr. Grant, Grant Jacobs. Jacobs? Yes. Yeah, anybody seen him talk before?
2: No, I haven't. He's amazing online. He um, he writes at Cyblogs and uh, is, is a very good writer. I don't know what he's like mm. presenting. We'll see.
0: Of course, the highlight of the day will be the New Zealand Skeptics AGM.
2: Oh yeah.
4: Oh for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I suppose a bit late on this podcast to be, you know, calling out for sceptics to turn up to that, isn't it? They're going to listen to it too late. Sorry, guys, you missed out on a thrilling meeting of finance and some chair report. And, oh, we're going to be talking about the journal and whether we should um, offer a digital version and so many thrilling subjects. I'm
2: sorry, what year is it? We should offer a digital. <laughs> okay, so
1: should <laughs> we <laughs> offer <laughs> a digital subscription? Digital at the open. moment, we force everybody to receive a physical copy in the mail, um, and we're going to let people save a little bit of money by getting a PDF instead. Yeah, I know. It's I know. We're late. Saving
4: the trees. Is but saving the trees as well. Yeah, we
1: have spent several years debating it, so we're pretty sure now it's a good thing to do. <laughs> right. Um. Oh. So yeah. So we we've got the AGM at the end of tomorrow. Um. Oh, uh, but the panel—we also have a panel before then, mm. oh, which yeah. would be interesting. Mm. Um, so that is uh, oh, yeah. called cool. "This Is <laughs> the End," and um, I think they're going to be given end-of-the-world scenarios, and they've got to talk about them.
2: That's good because I, I actually have no idea what we're supposed to be doing.
1: You're okay. Apparently. I will read well, it well, out because you're
2: <laughs> on the panel. <laughs> uh, uh,
1: uh, no pressure. Uh, no, I'm not going to read out actually because it. No, Maybe it's written in florid language. I'm not even sure, having read that, what is going okay. on in the panel. Well, but you, So you are one of the panellists tonight? I'm one
2: of the panellists, and I actually don't know what's going on. So it's going to be interesting.
1: Is that different to any other panel you've ever sat on?
2: Uh, it, it, no, not much. <laughs>
1: I remember the one in Wellington a couple of years ago was kind of last minute put together and talked about those damn women's issues.
2: Oh
1: <laughs>
0: I'm well, obviously some, getting this reputation some, as
2: somebody who will just turn up and spout bollocks. Yes. Some <laughs> no ex- apparent <laughs> reason.
0: It's it's True bad, bollocks are fine. about that.
1: Cool. Yes, anyway, so we should wrap up. Yeah. Yes, so um, thanks, guys. This has actually been a really good experiment. Um, it's been <laughs> great. We're not
2: p- sure we'll ever We should that. do
1: it again in another year. <laughs> no, no. I'm just going to cut the both of you out and post, and it's just going to be another Scepticism Today podcast.
2: <laughs> and we'll do the same. And yeah. so we'll
1: be we'll, we'll, we'll
2: record. Some, some bits of Nathan. And
1: our <laughs> listeners will just have to paste it back together if they want to make any <laughs> sense of what we've said.
4: Who was the person who said they should blank out everything that everyone else says and just leave my voice? Maybe we should do that.
1: Yeah. I, that was from I,
4: one of the listeners. Who was it? That was quite a while ago. That sounds vi- almost stalkerish. I'd be a bit worried about
1: that. Let's hope it was Daniel, your <laughs> other half.
4: <laughs> Is it scary that I don't think it was? <laughs>
1: Um, brilliant so yes so all that remains I guess is for us to say goodbye and um,
2: bye yes and see you at dinner <laughs>
1: yeah, see you in like ten minutes yes we have ten minutes to shower and, and get changed and doll up and whatever else we do so you've been listening to the Casp today you can contact us on our website thecasp.org.nz or Skepticism, Skepticism today. dot today Ah, oh, you guys one day you're going to get our name right or our website right or something <laughs> You know we do it deliberately.
2: <laughs> that's very a very, good. very fancy So,
1: thing. I know it is. That's yes. So we well, all want I one of so those. make so much money, I'd feel guilty if I didn't restart our <laughs> podcast, so
0: it's kind of forcing me right. to do it. Mark's compensating for something. <laughs> <laughs> something okay, enough. <laughs> okay, anyway, so. Serious face, come on. We are about to record. We are now all quiet. Do you guys have a ritual? That, that's a ritual. Okay. We are recording. <coughs>
2: That's Nathan, he always has a little cough. Cough,
0: right.